All right, let's uh, go on to our series then. We are in part six of our You Asked For It series. Uh, we will close this series next week with a very important topic that was requested, which is dealing with depression, anxiety, and self-image. In other words, topics related to mental health struggles. This is a topic relevant to all age groups and touches many people and just about every family these days. So make sure you don't miss next Sunday and bring a friend along. Today, we'll be sharing uh, on two other requested topics for Forgiveness and fear. And I think it's a very appropriate topic today because many of you are sitting over here fearing that I'm going to preach for so long and uh, you're going to be getting so hot and I am hoping that you will forgive me if I do. We don't have electricity. It is hot inside the church. We've got the windows open, but it is still pretty hot. I understand the transformer blew down in 2nd Avenue and we hope we'll have our power back tonight, but I will try to be brief. So let's dive right into it. For forgiveness. Humans cannot occupy the same space, be it home, work, school, or church, without somehow offending, hurting, or disappointing others. We don't mean to, okay, but our sinful nature gets in the way. Most of us have caused or received relational injuries along the way. We have all insulted and injured our parents, our brothers or sisters, both spiritual brothers and sisters and our physical brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, children, and people in different sectors of our lives. There are people with a worldview that says that man is capable of great good. Some people say if we just try hard enough, we can live together, we can love, and we can have this perfect world. It's kind of what the hippies wanted to do back then. You know, make love, not war. And so many people and philosophers and political leaders have tried to fight for this idealistic, this utopian world. But the fact is, that we are all sinful. They try to say, no, God does not play a role. We can do it. God is weak and unexistent. But if we can help mankind develop itself, we can live in this perfect society. And the dream of a perfect society seduces many people. That dream has existed under many banners, such as socialism, communism, or hedonism and other philosophies. Hitler tried to create a perfect society, and look what happened. And ironically, history has shown that, that this ideal and trying to force humans to live in a perfect world turns out to be a horrible and brutal way to live. It sacrifices human being in the pursuit of its mad idealism. I'm going to have a perfect society and I'll force you to live happily in it or else. And we've witnessed what has happened across history. A biblical worldview accepts human sinfulness. It allows God to be God and man to be man. It understands that only God can bring about a perfect society. And he will do that one day. That's what heaven is all about. But first we have to be changed from inside. And only God can change us from the inside. We cannot change ourselves. Until then, we have to accept that people will sometimes fail us. And that is where the concept of forgiveness is introduced to us. We all have to take personal responsibility for our own actions. 
and we won't go very far without forgiveness. Others will make mistakes, but I will make mistakes too. And to coexist, we will have to forgive one another and move forward. Forgiveness is not easy. It is a learned process. Our sinful nature has a high resistance to putting offenses aside. We want revenge. We want our own sense of judgment. But the Bible tells us in Romans 12, 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So when we forgive others, we are not letting them off the hook. Each one of us will have to give an account to God. And if we do not repent, if we do not change our ways, if we do not make right, we will have to suffer the full consequences of our actions and our choices. It says um, in, um, yeah, I've just read about Romans 12, but let God be God. Everyone will be judged and receive their righteous judgment. We often want justice and revenge, yet when we offend others, we want to get away with it, don't we? We want to be forgiven. And we need to understand that before a good and righteous God, we all have sinned, no matter how good you think you are. Jesus paid the price for our sin and forgave us. And now he asks us to forgive others. He taught us to pray, forgive us the wrongs we have done. Just as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. In the more common language, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Jesus kind of catches us, you know, having to say this prayer. And we often say this prayer without really thinking what you are saying. But you are declaring that we forgive others. We say, Lord, forgive me as I forgive others. Do we forgive others? And Jesus makes sure that you understand this by repeating again at the end of that teaching that we must forgive the faults of others. You see, it's only after we've given our lives to Christ and made him Lord over our lives that we really are able to forgive. It is Christ in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit, who helps us to understand forgiveness, to understand God's great forgiveness towards humans and the need to forgive one another. So, let's talk a little bit about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. You make that decision on your own. No matter what the other person feels, you don't need their permission, nor their request. You don't sit waiting until they repent. No, you make that decision and you decide to forgive. It's a decision that you make. Forgiveness is both an event and a process. When you choose to forgive and you say the words, in the name of Jesus, I forgive so and so, that is an event. At that moment, you have chosen to forgive. But when you choose to forgive, your feelings may not change. After saying those words, you might still be feeling upset and you're still feeling a bit bitter and you're still feeling lousy about the offense you received. But that's okay. You've made a decision. Now you stand on your decision. You start praying for that person. Pray that they will repent. Pray that they will come to God. Pray for their blessing. Pray for their family. Pray for their health. Pray for their work, their business, whatever. Pray for them. Bless them. 
And the more you pray for them, the more you begin to feel the healing process that's taking place inside. You keep doing that. You pray, you don't curse. And in time, your feelings begin to change. Sometimes it will be fairly quickly. Sometimes it might take a few months. But you keep on standing on your decision until the process is completed and you know that you have forgiven. You're able to look at that person, face that person, and the sting is not there. You're loving them. You see, because love wants the best for the other. When you forgive them and love them, does not mean you condone what they did. It just means you release them. Forgiveness is an act of obedience to God. This is your main driving force. We forgive to please God, no one else. It is he who gives us the strength to let go. So he gives you the strength because whatever he asks you to do, he will help you to do it. And so we do it as an obedience to God. Jesus said, forgive, so we forgive. Now listen, forgiveness sets you free. You see, we do it to please God. We do it to obey God. But why does God ask us to forgive? Because he wants the best for us. We are the beneficiaries of forgiveness. That is why God wants us to forgive. He doesn't want you to struggle because unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, revenge, that stuff eats you up. It destroys you inside, destroys you emotionally. It's a burden to you. Unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. No way. You are poisoning yourself. Be careful. And so God says, forgive. Stop taking that poison. Let go. Let God handle it. So be careful with this whole question of forgiveness and unforgiveness. And in tonight's movie, it's a story of forgiveness and redemption. It illustrates how unforgiveness can eat you up and how forgiveness can set you free. Let's move on and quickly talk about fear. Everybody has fear at one time or another in their lives. The kinds of fears may change as we grow and get older, but the feelings are the same. Fear can be good or a bad thing. Now, right now, we've got no power, and if you see an exposed wire, please don't touch it because you don't know when the power is coming. And so when we see a, a wire, exposed wire, we don't want to touch it. We are afraid, and it is good. If I see a fierce animal, I don't want to approach it. I'm afraid. I want to slowly back away and hope that thing doesn't chase me. It is a good kind of fear because that kind of fear can keep me alive. If I'm just fearless I can, and, I, and I fear nothing, I can make stupid decisions and I can hurt myself and others. So there is a good fear that helps you, that keeps you alive. But fear can also be a bad kind of thing. It can be a persistent fear, a spirit of fear where you're fearful of everything. You're fearful of your future. You're fearful of failure. You're fearful of tomorrow. You're paralyzed by fear. And a fear that paralyzes you is dangerous. It's a persistent fear. You see something that, like an animal or, or, or a, get a fright or something, that is a circumstantial kind of fear. Once that thing is over, the fear is gone. But when the fear persists and you cannot put your finger on it, that is a spirit of fear. And it's something that must be resisted with the word of God. And as children of God, we have not been called to live in fear. 
We are not to bury our head in the sand and ignore facts and events, but we also are not to live in fear of such facts and events. The first century church lived under severe persecution, and yet they were taught not to fear. And again, we need to understand that we do, we do live in a fallen world, not in utopia. This is not a perfect world. And that in spite of our faith in God, there will be some casualties. Some of us will die a premature death and bad things will happen to good people. Yet we have this knowledge and confidence that Christ is with us all the time. To live is Christ. To die is gain. So our relationship with God is our number one step to get rid of fear in our lives. We need to stand on the word of God. So let's look at some scriptures. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, you have not been given fear, but power. Love, a sound mind, a healthy mind. Paralyzing fear is not of God. Declare that over yourself. I have not been given a spirit of fear. Reject that thing. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You see, God is love. God is perfect love. So there is no fear in the presence of God. Become more God conscious than fear conscious. God is love. The closer you get to love, the less fear you have. Because there is no fear in love. And here is a great promise to remember. This is the Lord talking to us in Isaiah 41.10. He says, fear not. And there are hundreds of fear nots throughout the Bible. God knew that we are going to face fear, and so he encouraged us over and over again. Fear not. And here in Isaiah 41, 10, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is his promise to us. Stand on that promise. Every time fear attacks you, remember, God says, fear not, I am with you. And here is a verse which gives us something practical to do when you get anxious, which is a form of fear. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Fear not. Be anxious for nothing. Anxiety is a form of fear. And when I was younger, I had a tendency to worry, to be anxious, to fear. If I had an exam coming up, if I had a, a project coming up and a deadline, man, I could worry. I could sit in the middle of a cold room and break out in a sweat. And then an Afrikaans friend actually shared the scripture with me and encouraged me. And he says, you know what this verse says in Afrikaans? I said, no, what? He says, money what in man. This is what that says in Afrikaans are able. I said, really? Nah, he was, but the fact is this. That's the meaning of it. Don't worry. I said, yeah, good for you to say not to worry, but I worry. He says, well, the Bible says don't worry. 
And over time, I learned. Every time I would worry, what I'd learned to do is this. I didn't ignore my fear. I did not ignore my anxiety. I just changed anxiety energy into prayer energy. He says, yeah, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So it's a God, I'm afraid. I've got this thing coming up. I've got this concern. I've got this worry. God, help me. Help me to face this. And I would turn that into prayer. I would acknowledge it. But it says there, with thanksgiving. So I would say, Lord, I thank you that you're going to help me to get through this. Thank you that you remove this anxiety from me. And over time, I learned to conquer anxiety. Today, I still have a tendency to be anxious. And every time it comes, I still remember this verse. And I still turn anxiety into prayer. And I can get over it. Because it's the word of God. You stand on the word of God. You fight fear with the word of God. Amen. So I trust this helps you as, you as you face fears in your life. Apply the word of God. And in closing, you know what research says? Research tells us that over 90% of what you fear and worry about never happens. Over 90%. And so we spend a whole lot of time, and, and, and research shows that fear physically harms us. Fear shrinks your brains. Fear does all sorts of physiological damage to us. And if we live under that stress, we are destroying ourselves over something which is never going to happen. Over 90% of what you fear destroys us, but never happens. Folks, we have to fight this. Let's rise up as children of God and stand in the word of God against fear. And so, with the spirit of God inside of you, take charge, face fear, declare scripture, renew your mind, and with the spirit of God inside you, you are free from fear, and you are free to forgive. Christ has bought us this freedom. So let us enjoy it right here and right now. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much that you have enabled us to do what you have called us to do. We are able to fear not. We are able to forgive. And Father, I pray for everyone listening to the sound of my voice here and in this recording. Help us, Father, to live in forgiveness, to learn to forgive, to let go, Lord God, and help us to face our fears with your word, to stand in your word, and so live a victorious life, Father. So thank you for your promises. Thank you for your presence. And thank you for your assistance in these things, Lord. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain upon each one of us as we forgive, as we face fear, as we live to please God until the day we see you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.